What is up and welcome back to Ambitious. After a brief hiatus to ring in the new year and the holiday season, we are back. Episode 92 coming at you, all leading up to our episode 100, which is now eight episodes away. Monster episode 100 coming up, some monster episodes coming up with the draft coming up, and our traditional pre-draft interview cycle that we normally do. And we are approaching two years of Ambitious. So some milestones, some great content coming up. But starting with today, we have the traditional Week 17 recap, talking a little bit about the coaching carousel as well, and the crazy Eagles situation. I'm not going to talk about every game, but I'm going to recap a bunch of different things going around the league. And then also, incredibly talented and phenomenal singer Sanaya Elise joins the show. So first, will be week 17 recap slash coaching carousel review for the NFL and what's going on around the NFL, and then the interview with the phenomenal Sanaya Elise. All of this after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Anchor. Here we go. Week 17 NFL recap and also what is going on around the league and the playoff picture. So I'm not going to really hit every game in detail like I normally do because a lot of these games didn't really have playoff implications. But starting in the one o'clock time slot, I mean, these are games that did. The Bills won 56 to 26 over the Dolphins. Um, The Bills just destroyed them. I mean, this was a dismantling offensively by the Bills. Um, The defense for Miami did not do what we had hoped. Um, We talked about in the Fireside Football podcast with Brendan Carpenter, where we had said if the Dolphins defense was able to keep the Bills under 30 points, they could win this game, which ultimately, had they, this would have been a much tighter game, but they were not able to find any answer for that Bills offense led by Brian Dabble, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um... So yeah, the Bills win. Um, as for the Dolphins, they missed the playoffs. Uh, tough one for them because they have been so consistent all year, but ultimately they couldn't win when they needed to. And the quarterback situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick going down for COVID ended up being the killer, which in all honesty, in a way is kind of right because they've done such a good job managing the quarterback situation, but it's only fitting that they saw Tua and had to throw him off the deep end because they have sheltered him to an extent by not really playing him in bigger games because when he started to struggle, they've put Fitzpatrick in. And Tua looked awful yesterday. Awful. Um, I don't know what the future looks like for the Miami Dolphins organization at quarterback, but they have the third pick in the draft, a plethora of draft capital reminiscent to only the Jaguars. Um, They have a bright, bright future but they got to figure out the quarterback position. Um, the Ravens and Bengals, 38-3 Ravens. Uh, I don't know if anyone really expected that much different. Maybe the Bengals could have done more, I thought, on the Fireside podcast, but the Ravens really just came out ready to play, and they are picking up steam and could make some noise as the season ends and the playoffs begin. I mean, they could really be a threat in the playoffs like we expected them to be. They have the Titans, and it's almost the opposite this year, where the Ravens are the underdog and the Titans are the more consistent um AFC contender where the Ravens have struggled this year. Uh, I don't necessarily see the Ravens knocking off the Titans, but if they can't find it, I mean, if they can't find an answer for Lamar Jackson, the Titans are going to struggle. And if the Ravens can't find an answer for the second year in a row for Derrick Henry, then the Ravens will be out at the hands of the Titans for the second year in a row. As for the next game, 
that also had AFC North playoff implications, the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns won this game 24-22 to over the Steelers' backups and will now face them again next week in the playoffs in the first round. The Browns now made the playoffs, though, for the first time since 2002, and this is a big one. Um, congratulations to Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, and Miles Garrett, guys who really devoted themselves to seeing this thing through, and it's very exciting for them to see them make the playoffs. And hopefully... Uh, for Browns fans, maybe they can pull off a win over the Steelers because I think the whole NFL and fan base is rooting for the Steelers to get their ego and their bubble burst on uh, Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Vikings-Lions. Vikings won. Lions we'll talk about in a little bit in the coaching carousel, and Vikings are just kind of a directionless franchise right now. They need to figure things out, but they do have a stud at wide receiver is the biggest pull away of the season with uh, Justin Jefferson. Patriots-Jets. Um... This one's not really relevant either. I mean, the Patriots won, and this was likely Cam Newton's final game in Foxborough and in uh, a New England Patriots uniform. As for the Jets, they axed Adam Gase finally, and uh, I'll talk about that in a second, the coaching carousel, and kind of make my predictions for how I think the uh, carousel is going to finish spinning. Um, next, Giants-Cowboys kind of has relevancy to the thing I'm going to rant about in a little bit, but the Giants won this game. This was a hard-fought game um, for both sides, and for two teams that sucked this season, for them to be in a playoff position, they took it seriously and came out trying to win this game, and both of these guys played hard, or both of these teams played hard, both of their guys played hard. Um, Giants scratched out a win, which has relevancy to what I'll talk about in a couple minutes. Uh, Falcons Bucks Bucks maintained the fifth seed with a forty-four to twenty-seven win. Uh, Mike Evans went down, but he will reportedly be okay, most likely to play in their wild card game, which is really interesting because Antonio Brown heated up when Evans was out, and if they can find a way to get Brown going, Evans going, and Godwin going at the same time with that added layer of Gronkowski and even Scotty Miller sometimes rotating in the slot, and then the running game that they've kind of got a little lackadaisical within the last few weeks if the Buccaneers can get that going and their defense can get back to what it was at a point this season they could be a buzzsaw through this NFC and be a contender we're not talking about uh Packers Bears Packers win and have full control of the NFC throughout the playoffs um big win for them and uh exciting win for them because they now the uh Super Bowl the road to the Super Bowl on the NFC side runs through Lambeau, back-to-back 13-3 and three seasons for them. But the Bears, not all is lost. They did make the playoffs, and they will go head-to-head with the New Orleans Saints next week in New Orleans. Um, Raiders-Broncos. Raiders won this game. Really no playoff relevancy or really any further down relevancy here whatsoever. Uh, Colts and Jags. Uh, Colts won the game. They are in the playoffs. They will play the Bills in the afternoon slot on Saturday. Uh, 28-14, they looked solid, but the Jaguars did not go down without a fight for head coach Doug Marone, who is now without a job. We'll talk about where they could go at head coach in a couple minutes in the coaching carousel breakdown. Uh, Chargers Chiefs. Chargers end the season and end the Anthony Lynn era, which we'll talk about head coaching in a sec, but they end the era off with a 38-21 victory over the best team in the league in the Chiefs. The Chiefs were not going to win this game. They were resting their starters, and the fact they even put 21 up is uh, a good game for them. But for the Chargers, a lot of momentum going into the offseason with a big coaching hire coming up. Rams, Cardinals, John Wolford, a guy who I really liked when he was the third string potentially for the Jets. He gets an opportunity here and played fairly solid and does well enough for the Cardinals to uh, go down here and out of the playoff race. So the Rams now will make the playoffs and they will have a date with the Seahawks coming up this weekend. And that's going to be a big one. And then speaking of the Seahawks, they knocked down the 49ers. And this was a big game because the Seahawks were able to control their seating for the playoffs. And, uh, 
49ers, I mean, they're kind of directionless. But uh, awesome to note for the 49ers and the Cardinals, very different stories. The 49ers could be losing their D.C., um, and they were injured this year. If they can figure out the quarterback situation, hire a new D.C. to likely place Robert Sala if he goes somewhere else, which I think he will as a head coach, um, they could be in a very good situation, but they need to figure out the quarterback situation and figure out maybe a little bit better weaponry for whoever that quarterback will be. And then as for the Cardinals, I mean, this was a big year. They took a big step forward with DeAndre Hopkins and some new added pieces. Could be the end of Larry Fitzgerald, so look for them to be in a market for another complimentary wide receiver, but ultimately good year for them and it just came down to the Rams were just that much better um New Orleans Saints Panthers Saints controlled uh their seating as well and the Panthers head into the offseason on a kind of dull note but they had a very good season despite all the circumstances um they went through with a head coaching change um young talent they did a very good job and injuries I mean some of their best players have been hurt for bulk of the year Titans, Texans, uh, Titans have won and they will win the AFC South and get to host a playoff game, as I mentioned, against the Ravens and the Texans. Um, good fight here. Maybe it gives Romeo Cornell at least an interview. I highly doubt it, but they came out fighting hard after what JJ Watt said last week and, uh, good for the, uh, Texans for playing their heart out, but ultimately the Titans won on that doink and, uh, they go into the playoffs with a 2000 yard rusher in Tractor Cito, Derrick Henry, who put up 240 plus in this game. Now, the game everyone is probably waiting to hear about. The football team versus the Eagles. Not to discredit anything from the football team. They deserve to make the playoffs of the four teams in the division. They were the most consistent all year, and if they can figure out the offensive side of the football in a week, they could maybe even make some noise in the playoffs because of how good their defense is. But there was no reason the Eagles shouldn't have won this game. They tanked on national television and with the whole country watching, with serious playoff ramifications, with the Giants also waiting to see if they could get in, they tanked. They benched key players who could have been ready to play, and they grossly mismanaged the team. Doug Peterson has lost his team for the sake of moving up three draft spots. Let me say that again. Three draft spots. Yes, this is a crucial draft. There are a lot of good, talented players, but for moving up three draft selections, he tanked. So why? Um, Because the quarterback situation is grim. Um, What is the future? Is Jalen Hurts the answer? Is Carson Wentz going to somehow have a resurgence? And what can they get for him if he doesn't and he gets traded? But aside from that, on every other side of the ball, every or every side of the ball, every position, you have veteran pieces who just a few years ago won a Super Bowl and were now a part of one of the biggest embarrassments in NFL history. Zach Ertz should be gone and deserves to be gone because he deserves to play for a better team and a better run organization. Jason Kelsey, another guy, veteran, core, good lineman deserves to be gone. Jason Peters should retire while he can and get out of that organization. You know, everybody wants to talk about the football team being grossly mismanaged with Dan Snyder, and I don't doubt they are. They are. But Ron Rivera came in, and he's reestablishing the culture despite battling cancer. They got rid of a locker room cancer in Dwayne Haskins, and they have a quarterback who is fighting to save his career and they have willed their way into the playoffs. They have rebuilt their image. They changed their team name. And whatever off-the-field issues there are, they mismanaged them grossly with the whole report. But the incompetence that plagues the Philadelphia Eagles franchise 
is so apparent after this year. You know, Anthony Lynn got fired because he couldn't manage a game and he got let analytics get too fixated in his head. Adam Gase got fired because he couldn't control a team and he had no grasp on being a head coach. Doug Marone got fired because the team didn't perform to where it should have while he was head coach. Um, Lions, Falcons, Texans, you get the gist. They fired their head coaches because they were incompetent and could not perform to the level required to be an NFL head coach. So why does Doug Peterson still have a job? I am not even an Eagles fan. And why does that man still have a job? Because there is no one and should be no one in that locker room that respects him after the way he handled this game on Sunday Night Football. On the biggest stage in the NFL, he tanked. He pulled his quarterback, who is already in the midst of a quarterback controversy, and made him sit on the sidelines and watch a third stringer get killed so he could move up three draft spots. Three draft spots. Jalen Hurts was visibly angry. Every other veteran was visibly disappointed. How do they go forward? I don't know, and I don't know how they go forward with Doug Peterson, but somehow that Eagles organization is going to. But this is not something new to them. I mean, Joe Douglas is cut off this block, so God, I hope he is better than they are, and I do think he is. But Howie Roseman should get credit for this failure, too, and this abomination, because he has also failed to manage the roster in the past few years. They've brought in stopgaps like Darius Slade to fix their glaring secondary problem. And then also, the wide receivers, they have not gotten a single weapon for Carson Wentz. Yes, Carson Wentz regressed immensely this year, and Jalen Hurts is likely their new quarterback for the future, unless they draft the guy at sixth, because why not at this point? Because they're the Eagles. But they have not surrounded him with the talent required to be a successful quarterback. Alshon Jeffrey is a veteran who will likely find another home this offseason, but he is not what he used to be. Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham likely wouldn't be starters on other teams. They are great finds. But other than that, I mean, they went in the playoffs last year with Josh McCown playing for an injured Carson Wentz and a wide receiver core full of no names. They played games last year without wide receivers on their roster. They are mismanaged and incompetent. Ultimately, they deserve to lose this game, but not in the fashion they did. They disgraced football by tanking to move up, once again, three draft spots. The Philadelphia Eagles are just a disgrace. They really are. And and Giants fans, uh, you didn't deserve this. You really didn't. But you didn't deserve to make the playoffs either. You could have won one more game. You win one more game, we're not having this conversation. The Eagles' abomination is still an abomination, but it is not of this magnitude. So Giants fans, I am sorry you didn't make the playoffs. This was an awful way for it to happen. But... And football team deserved it. They deserved to get into the playoffs and get a chance because of how well they played in an awful division. But man, the NFL should look into this because this was awful. Um, To talk about the coaching carousel quick before I end off here, because I did say I would talk about that, I will make my playoff kind of breakdowns in the coming weeks. I think, in all honesty, the Packers and the Chiefs will run their way through the playoffs. But once they... Uh, once the... Um, playoffs are consolidated a little more after this week, and I get a chance to see some of these games with the Super Wild Card weekend. Um, I will probably make my more firm predictions next week. But right now, I mean, I think the Chiefs and the Bills are the two best teams in the AFC um, by far. And then I think the Packers and the Seahawks are the two best in the NFC. I think the Saints, um, they'll probably get past the Bears. I think the football team could make some noise against the Buccaneers, but ultimately the Bucks will probably win that game. Um, but I don't put an upset off there, um, and I think the Seahawks will probably beat the Rams, and then on the other side of the ball, um, or other side of the uh, league, 
I think the Colts will lose to the Bills, and I think the Browns will lose to the Steelers, and I think the Titans will beat the Ravens. So those are my predictions for next week. I'll make my final playoff picture predictions um, or for this week, and then I'll make my final predictions next week. And then for the coaching carousel, um, just briefly, my predictions for that. I think Robert Sala lands in Detroit um, as the next head coach. He's born in Dearborn, Michigan. They want him bad, and Michigan legislation wants him bad. So I think they have a little bit of pull. Um... The Jets are hard. Uh, let me go with the other ones first. Uh, I think the Falcons go Marvin Lewis. I think he's a veteran that would make sense there. Don't put them out, though, for potentially getting a college coach. Uh, the Texans, I think this is enemy's job, in all honesty. I think that he ends up here because there's a lot to work with for wider, or from the offensive side of the football, and I think that he would be able to give Deshaun Watson that coach he deserves that's a good offensive mind. Um, the Jaguars, I think it ends up being Urban Meyer, but I'm not sure because Urban Meyer is definitely a wild card, but it seems all but given that he will be the head coach for this team. Uh, um, I, I'm hemming and hawing about the Jets, so I'm going to go to the Chargers. I think this goes to Joe Brady. I think they need somebody to continue to, um, bring Herbert along. So I think they'll go with Joe Brady here. And then the Jets, um... I think it ends up being Arthur Smith. I I would like to see them get Campbell, uh, Fitzgerald, or Brian Dabble, but I also really like Arthur Smith and Wink Martindale, so if they can get Arthur Smith, I think that's a successful hire. I think he's a very, very good coaching prospect, and I think he is going to make a very good head, head coach in the NFL. So that is my uh, predictions for the next week of games. Um, I'll have my firm playoff predictions next week. Those are my coaching carousel predictions. They could be updated after some more stuff is known next week, but that's pretty much where I stand right now. And then, I mean, there was a game games I recapped, but ultimately this is about how incompetent the Eagles were, were and are. And uh, yeah, so that is my Week 17 NFL recap, uh, precursor to the offseason for most teams. And then now the incredibly talented Sanaya Elise joins the show. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest joining me on the line is the incredibly talented Sanaya Elise. She is known for being a viral sensation a few years ago, and then just recently, a top 20 star on American Idol, an absolutely phenomenal talent. Sanaya, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. So, a year ago, American Idol to now what is it like what is life like now life is kind of tricky see <laughs> coming <laughs> off the show i have a lot of exposure a lot of great things happening but we are in the middle of a pandemic so a lot of things are slow but before everything just hit the fan it was an amazing experience and i'm still grateful for that experience now, before we dive a little more into that and your story, I want to backtrack to the start. When did you realize singing was something that you were in, enjoyed heavily and then also something that you were talented in? Okay, so this might sound weird because I was so young, but um, I discovered that I could sing at the age of two. Uh, my mother directed a choir, uh, and I sang my very first solo when I was two years old. And that's when my love for music began. Like, I come from a musical family, so it's in my blood. And, you know. Wow. 
two years old, I don't even know if I knew what music was, and you were already <laughs> singing like crazy. Sheesh. Well, so coming from there to, I guess, kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, to the viral video um, that kind of got you known in the first place, what was that kind of time span like? I mean, there's a little bit of an empty gap there that maybe people don't know. What In terms of singing, training, life, what was that kind of time span like? Uh, so in between, you know, two years old and my uh, viral video, I've just been doing everything dealing with music. I was doing auditions back to back. I was doing talent hunts. I was doing everything to get to the point where I am now. Now, leading into that viral video, um, what was that like? I mean, that's something that sounds kind of bland and generic, but what was that like to go viral? I mean, most people will never experience <laughs> that, but what was that like waking up the next day and going, oh my God, I'm viral, I'm your family and you? Yeah, um, no one expected that. I didn't expect it because every Thanksgiving, uh, me and my whole family, we all get together, we eat together, and we, um, Michael pulls out this piano, and we all just sing. And so that was just normal for me. I didn't expect anything from it. So to know that, you know, my video went viral was crazy for me because no one expected it. Now, fast forward from that moment to American Idol. What, and now that's kind of filling in some time gap there too, but what was that time span like where you had a little more notoriety and then leading into getting on to American Idol. Sorry, what's the question one more time? So the time span from when you went viral to American Idol, what was that like? Because you had a little more notoriety. Okay, so I think that was like two years apart. It was <laughs> a lot of my fans from uh, when I originally went viral were following me on my American Idol journey. So I still felt like I had a great, you know, fan base. And being on Idol just made it so much well now leading into the big question what was your experience like on american idol american idol was the best experience by far i met so many great people i met some lifelong friends i turned into family got so many um opportunities just from being on idol and it was a great experience now, last season was kind of unorthodox, to say the least, in terms of how it was handled once the pandemic kind of broke out. What was that process like? Because obviously it was the pre-recorded episodes and then really leading up to the live shows and then boom, the pandemic hits. So what was the virtual transition like? So in the beginning, it was very hard because they shipped us out all of this uh, equipment that we knew nothing about so you know the fears of like wondering what is this going to sound like what is this going to look like it's never been done this way so that was a big adjustment but it went very well I really wish it could have been live like in person but it went the way it was supposed to so I'm still grateful for that now, what was um, about a year ago, I think was Hollywood week. I think I saw on your Instagram today. And yes. what was that like? I mean, that is something that I've had Margie Mays on before, Madison Vandenberg, and they talked in detail about what that process is like, because it's so infamous. When you think of American Idol, you think of Hollywood week. What was Hollywood week like for you? 
Hollywood Week was the most challenging thing about American Idol altogether. From getting there to going straight to the Orpheum Theater to performing that day to picking songs right after that, no sleep, not having much of an appetite because you're so scared. Out of all of these people, you know, you're just wanting your spot. So that was the biggest the biggest challenge of all was Hollywood Week. Now, if you had to sum up that week, but first, before we go to the American Idol as a whole, but to sum up Hollywood Week first with one word, what would that word be? <laughs> one word? Um, it can be mo- a little more if you need. <laughs> um, uh, I guess it probably stressful. Now, the whole experience between the virtual, between um, auditions, all of that, if you had to use one or a few words to describe that and sum it up, what would that kind of be? The auditions, all I can say about that was fun because (laughs) that was my first time meeting the celebrity judges and everything about that was just amazing. Interviews back to back, I love it. Now, the whole experience, if you had to just use one word, what would that be described as? Uh, maybe grateful. Now, looking back, obviously the pandemic has got to have shaken things up for you as a performer, but what has, you mentioned before about the exposure, but you know, you have all this exposure, this newfound fan base, and then boom, a pandemic hits. You can't necessarily do live shows or stuff that maybe a traditional contestant would do to capitalize on that exposure, but what have you done to kind of continue, I guess, your performing career throughout a pandemic? Um, yes, um, I put out a single recently, my uh, my very first song, Last Chance. Uh, so I've been trying to keep up or stay in the loop with that. And I know that I can't, you know, go out and perform it. But hopefully, like, when I drop certain songs, my, my people will still follow me. So I've been doing things like that and just trying to stay active on social media. That's the best way for right now during the pandemic. Now, in talking about, I guess, what the future looks like, the first question I have to ask, is there a potential of you potentially going back on American Idol, or is that out of the picture and you're ready to move on? Um, I'm not really sure. You know, being in the middle of a pandemic is a lot to think about. I just want to make the best decision. So right now, I'm not sure, um, but it's, it's not a no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the door is open. But now, in talking about the general future for Sanaya Elise, what does that look like? I see myself on a big stage and selling out tours and just living my dream. That's all I've ever wanted. That is awesome. And I'm sure, based on listening to you perform, you're definitely going to get there. Thank you. Now, in talking about your family, that is obviously something that has been synonymous with your career to this point, whether it be the video, whether it be Idol, whether it be anything regarding you, what does your family mean to you? Oh, my family means the world to me. They show up when you don't expect certain people to show up. You know, part of my family had to pay their own way to go to Hawaii for me. So 
you know, they mean the world to me. It's nothing I wouldn't do for my family. Now, in talking about if you had to kind of pinpoint one or two people, or you can even pinpoint more than that, but if you had to look at a couple people who inspire you, who would those people be? Um, well, number one, my mom. Um, and maybe a celebrity. Um, I'm just inspired by a couple different people. It's hard to choose. Like, I have a different, uh, a favorite celebrity every week. <laughs> I 100% feel you on that. Is there somebody this week or this month that you're really feeling? Mm, well, um, he's an uh, idol alumni, so let's go with Tajik Hall. I love Tajik Hall. Well, that is a good one. Now, in tying to the idol and celebrity aspect, what was it like getting the opportunity to perform for some real music legends in Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan? Uh, that was scary, of course, <laughs> because, you know, they're so far, and they are amazing. So I was just like, oh, my God, I really hope they like me. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> now, Sanaya, obviously you mentioned when you were younger – when you realized, you know, there was a lot of potential for you with singing. But when did you realize or have like a moment that you realized this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? A moment. Because there were so many. I'm really just trying <laughs> to pinpoint one that just did it for me. Um, it'll, it'll have to be when I went viral in the shade room. Well, that yeah, I was much older, so you would think it'll come a little bit sooner. I mean, yeah, around two or something, because that's when I started singing. But when I went viral on Shade Room, twenty seventeen. Very very cool. Now, a couple of rapid fire questions here. If you had to right now pick your go to song, what would that song be? Right now is POV by Ariana Grande. <laughs> very very cool. And now. If you had to be any kind of boat, like a kayak, a canoe, a speedboat, any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be and why? Oh. I don't... Uh, <laughs> uh, a big cruise ship. Or either, it's between a big cruise ship and a speedboat. Hey, I think those are two good answers. <laughs> Now, you mentioned Taj Hall, you mentioned um, your mother, but if there was a celebrity necessarily that was somebody that not necessarily inspires you, but if you had to compare yourself to in terms of the way you sing and your musical style, who would that be? Hmm. I really like to pick a lot of things from different people. So to say one would kind of throw everything off. Um... Oh, I can give you a couple of names. I don't have yeah. just one. You can go for a couple. That's fine. <laughs> um, I definitely love Tamar Braxton. I love um, Beyonce, Queen Naja, T-Pain. I love T-Pain. He's, he's a legend. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> and Tajik Hall, uh, Bruno Mars. You know, all the great people. Summer Walker, so many. Those are a lot of talented people. Now, this is kind of off the radar here, but did you ever have a chance to watch T-Pain on The Masked Singer? I did. I cried. I cried when I first heard his voice because I knew it was him. Oh, he was phenomenal. And that was awesome, at least for me, because I 
didn't necessarily know he could sing that well, and he was phenomenal. Yeah, and that's why I love T-Pain so much, because I know what kind of vocal beast he is, and he doesn't get the recognition I think he needs. Like, he's a legend vocally. I love his voice. I completely agree. Now, just a couple more questions here. If you had to necessarily set a five- or ten-year kind of goal, just one, what would that be? Um, to sell out a tour, um, drop more songs, drop an album, uh, just be in a very good place in life altogether. Well, I think that is a phenomenal goal. Now, my final question here for you, Sanaya, is one I ask every guest that comes on this show, and you can take as much time as you want to think about this one. When it is all said and done, what do you, Sanaya Elise, want your legacy to be? Mm, my legacy. I want people to know me as someone who was real, someone who related to everyone who tried to make music for everyone to enjoy and someone that could speak to other people through my voice and even through like my story when it comes time to like talk about everything i just want people to see who i am and to feel like it's okay to be who they are I think that is an absolutely phenomenal answer. Sanaya, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on. Before we close out here, I want to give you the opportunity to plug your social medias, plug that new song, plug anything and everything. The red carpet is rolled out. Whatever you want to plug, it is yours. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm Sanaya Elise. You can follow me on Instagram at C-Y-N-I-A-H dot E-F-I-S-E. Facebook, Sanaya Elise. Twitter, Sanaya underscore Elise. YouTube, Sanaya Elise. And please, please, please go check out my first single, Last Chance. It's, Last Chance is available everywhere you listen to music. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard her. Go listen to it. And that was the incredibly talented Sanaya Elise. Thanks again, Sanaya. Thank you. My thanks once again to Sanaya Elise for taking the time to come on the show. It was a pleasure sitting down with her, and I look forward to all the big things she's going to do in her future. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of Ambitious, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, that's at Ambitious Podcast. Twitter is at Ambitious with DP, and YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. Happy, happy New Year, Ambitious listeners. Let's make 2021 a great one, and have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode.